I'm Max, and you're listening to Zetus Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. Zoom, 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 everyone, and welcome. My name is Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Max. And this is Zetus Lapidus. And this week, we're watching our namesake film, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Yeah, it's going to be are. awesome major. Oh, Alpha major. I can't. All right. Any, before we get into it's any of this. Supernova. Mm. Alan, you're being pretty disaster <laughs> mortis right now. <laughs> disaster yeah, you mortis. You are in hysteria mode major. That's right. I hate everything about this. All right, folks, for those of you who don't gonna, know. Beta major. Gonna, oh, my I'm God. I'm going to kick you off the space day. The space stay? Is stay supposed to be a short for station? So Xenon said. It's what it's called. It's the space stay. The space stay? You need stay? to like, be a little more lunarious right now. Oh my god. Okay. This is solar flare major. Class five. <laughs> solar flare major. All right. For those of you who don't know, Zetus Lapidus, uh, this is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order. And this week we watched our namesake. I'll just give you the basic show info as you normally do from imdb this is uh, an inquisitive teenager prize into suspected dodgy dealings on her space station home and ends up being sent down to earth and i think that pretty much gives it all away that was the best summary yet i think that was like i was intrigued didn't give anything away yeah i mean i guess it, uh, to me that summary kind of doesn't really talk about the fact that this thing is taking place literally in outer Thank space you, and the future. Like, it's just like, that's an inquisitive teenager getting into mm. some dear, dirty on, dealings. On her spaceship, and then she sent I know, Earth. I know, I know, I know. But, like, if I were going to write a summary for this movie, I'd be like, <laughs> in the future, living on a space station. Like, that feels like the most important setup, maybe. <laughs> I tend to agree. So, this movie was released on January 23rd of 1999 as max mentioned it is set in the year 2049 in the future um and on a on primarily actually i shouldn't say primarily it's actually it's split 50 50 between a space station and earth but before we start diving into all of that let's set ourselves in the time shall we january 23rd of 99 the top song we have an artist making a reappearance The, the song is have you ever by brandy Oh, and he was dominating, dominating 98, 99, the domination of one brandy. True. Uh, and the top grossing film of this month, this week ending rather was varsity blues. Now I didn't ever see varsity blues. Mm. Okay. Did either of you? Yeah. I think I've seen varsity blues. Okay. So I'm clearly not a strike. It's no Armageddon, but. Oh God. Every week, Max. You know, I looked up Armageddon after our last episode because in the Discord, people are comparing it to Titanic. And um, okay. Armageddon has a 30% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I just I, thought you should know. It, I love 30%. that movie. I, I want you to know that Halloween Town had an 80%. So the yeah. reviewers well, that, thought Halloween, Halloween Town... Town was a reasonably good movie and Armageddon <laughs> is um, not. It's not. Y'all, y'all are tripping armageddon is fantastic so I, I now have to know what they rated xenon so hold please i actually didn't have this written down but i'm gonna armageddon, check right now armageddon was a disaster major oh <laughs> i mean it's hey, about topical. a disaster major i mean you tell me you don't love bruce willis i didn't say that it's really i it's actually i have a problem with Liv tyler specifically molly it's you know Liv tyler is the reason is i, I also an, 
I also Arwen don't thing. like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was yeah. like, is this an Arwen <laughs> thing? Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my God. Le- Xenon Girl of the 21st Century blows Armageddon out of the water with a 62%. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, most movies blow Armageddon out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> Have I not watched it recently enough? Like, am uh, maybe I, am not. Am I remembering it incorrectly? Like, I think you probably shouldn't watch it. You know, just yeah. to look back on it with rose colored glasses, pal. <laughs> just, you know, we don't. I don't want. Uh, it's clear you have a lot of love for that movie, and I don't want you to ruin it by oh. having to go watch it again. Yeah, I'm gonna I watch agree. it and report back at some point on one of these. Can't yeah, wait. You, you, uh, I will not be watching with you. So let's. So top song, "Have You Ever" by Brandy. Top grossing film, "Varsity Blues," and some news headlines from the day. I got these news headlines prior to watching Xenon. Uh, Jay Pritzker, founder of the Hyatt Hotel chain, passed away today. Sad news, but also uh, oddly prophetic because we meet a Mr. Wyndham. Uh, and I'm only to assume that Mr. Wyndham was once the, uh, is like a long line of grandchildren of the original Wyndham family from the hotel chain that moved from hotels to space stations. It's quite the head cannon you've made. I had yeah, to. Yeah, when you said it, I was like, I don't know what this has to do with this movie. And then it was Mr. Wyndham. And, you know, those hotels became space stations. It's baby. true. Or it could be Barry Wyndham, the professional wrestler. Both com- completely Valid. reasonable, honestly. <laughs> the second bit, and much more relevant, were, was that satellites detected a cosmic explosion that occurred some 9 billion light years away in the de- towards the direction of the constellation Boots. Do you think that's the alternate reality where Xenon does not save the day and the spaceship does explode? <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Yeah. This is based on a true story. Yeah. <laughs> this is all factual. Now, that's, that's actually not the full headline. This is legitimately what it was. So Boots. it was called the Gamma Ray Burster or GRB 990123, which is the descriptor of the explosion was the largest since the first detected event in 1967. I mean, honestly, picking those two things prior to filming, I was like, wow, that's pretty prophetic and nice. So with that set, we are ready to dive into Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. The film opens with, to record, the best rolling credits on an opening scene that we have had thus far, as we find out a whole lot and are actually introduced to uh, Xenon being w- waking up late for school with an iPad alarm clock. Yeah, but it's her talking to herself. She's like, hey, girl, get up. You don't want to be late for school, but she is. <laughs> Very much so. And this is actually when we get the iconic opening line of Cetus Lapidus, which is our namesake podcast. Oh, um, quick question. I actually didn't ask you this at the outset. Did either of you watch this film as a kid? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I was a big Xenon fan. Yeah, I'm sorry, I should have asked you this. This was one of my favorites. And going into watching it again, I was just hopeful that it didn't pull a Brink because Mm. Brink was one of my favorites too. And Brink turned out to be pretty bad as an adult. And so going into this one, I was just like, please hold up, please hold up. But yeah, I loved this one. I saw it uh, when I think when it came out, I've definitely watched it a couple times since then. It's an icon for people of our generation, I think. Up until I would say High School Musical, it's the most popular and most iconic decom there is. And then I think that High School Musical eventually took that throne from Xenon. But up until this was it to me. Today was my first viewing 
of Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. I'm jealous, to be Zetus honest. Lapidus. Yeah. Uh, you missed out major. <laughs> I, yeah, sure did. I yeah. loved this movie so much that Kirsten Storms, who plays Xenon, sure. eventually went on to be on Duel, which is Days of Our Lives, the soap opera. And my mom likes Duel. And I walked in one day and she was watching it and I was like, oh, Xenon's on a show. And I tried to watch Days of Our Lives with my mom because I wanted to see more Xenon. But um, turns out Days of Our Lives sucks. Don't really so. want to watch a soap opera. Is I what didn't I'm actually enjoy yeah. the soap opera, but mm. I was I, I gave it a shot for Xenon. Sure. You, you know, I can understand the love of this film, but I can also really understand why Xenon wound up on a soap just given her waking up scene and the amount of acting that happened in that scene with her. I think it was, it wasn't her first line other than herself talking to herself from the alarm clock. Cetus Lapidus. And then just up and out and running late for school. We're introduced to her and the mom there, right? I mean, I will give, I will give her some credit when you watch uh, like interviews about star Wars Right. You watch the Mark Hamill interview about when he auditioned. He, he describes auditioning for Star Wars as like reading a different language and that he was having to read all these lines that didn't make sense to him and act through them. And I will say she's basically speaking another language. And so I give her a lot of credit for being able to act and speak a language that is not English. And <laughs> so she, she handles it very well. I mean, this language, uh, this movie has its a whole like dialect yeah. that they have, <laughs> that they have created for this universe and everyone speaks it. It's not a brink moment where it's like, Oh, the kids are speaking this because there it's the cool thing to do. And the parents don't get it. Everyone, everyone talks this way. And so every, this whole cast is speaking in like this very interesting, like all these different slang and, and like additions. It makes me think of like double speak from 1984. Mm -hmm. This is yeah, very like, wild script. Even the earth kids speak. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the future. So like everybody speaks differently than they do now. Right. And, but, but, the the common thread that we find throughout all of this is that like their slang is ubiquitous. It is just different words that are used to kind of fill in the gaps of those things when you're describing something is really, really good or really, really bad or or you're you're giving some that honestly, I now that I sit here and think about it, I've just had this epiphany. That's what their slang centers around. Whether or not an event, an action, a person is real uh, something that they are getting is really good or really bad major minor that's lunarific that's not the word i don't know what it is lunarious lunarious well I, i'm sorry i'll take a lap everybody lunarious right i think like or alpha or stellar. major and minor stellar right all of them are whether or not you're describing something is really good or bad that's the slang good or bad right so i, I do appreciate that they that they developed that language too right like it feels oh for sure that they they rooted in like Ursa Minor, Ursa Major. I like I like it. I like the the influence. There's a lot. One thing that I wrote down, and I, I sort of I I kept a mental count. I didn't keep an actual count, mainly because I think that would have just been an, an astronomically <laughs> high number. Was all of the references to to sort of the astrological cosmological? It's every sentence is some mm -hmm. joke about space. It's wild. So. She wakes up and then we get a sequence, a montage, if you will, of her running relate to class. Can I say one thing, though? She on the iPad talking to herself goes, no matter what, 
at least you don't live down there. And then you see the window open and you see Earth. And it's like, yeah, thank God I don't live on planet Earth. And I'm like, I get that. Same. It's the big reveal that. that she's on the space station, right? You see that incredible special effect yeah. Yeah. of the space day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, because before you just see like, oh, she's just a teenage girl getting woken up by her mom. Right. And then it's like, no, she's in space. But I just like all the times that they're like, I, oh, Earth's terrible. I'm like, it's violent. It's oh, like yeah. everyone's Everyone getting gets sick. sick. The food is bad and, for you. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, it's uh, uh, that is like still the, true 23 years later. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's wild that like that becomes the common trope amongst the kids because as xenon leaves and is running late to her class we get introduced to something that i originally thought was like i don't know if both of you noticed this but this is something that was introduced as an audio concept and then used throughout the film and it is they recorded all of this bgm of actors extras talking and like shouting these one-liners that you hear happening and actually later on in the film you hear like an extra go cetus lapidus like it's actually something that is common nomenclature in the space station but like you get introduced as like there's xenon again there she goes oh look she's up to it again and it's like these one-liners are just fired randomly throughout her her travels as she really chaotically disrupts everyone else's day because she's running late so we're kind of introduced very quickly to this concept that she is a a force of chaos so max i'm sure you identify with her quite strongly yeah i i did but i have to tell you i went a little off the rails in this moment i paused this movie right here for a while because i for whatever reason was immediately stuck on the idea of it being 7 a.m <laughs> And I asked myself, you know, know? The, an alarm clock went off. It was like, it's it's 7 a.m. And then mom's like, it's 745. And then apparently breakfast stops being served at eight, which was also wild to me. But <laughs> I immediately, honest to God, went down a whole path of like, how does time work in space? <laughs> I haven't thought about this until this moment. Like, I'm like, what? what? Why is it 7 a.m.? <laughs> I, I like so anyway, no I'm ready to educate you because I did the research. Oh, tell me. I, I'm, no I'm ribbing. What I have learned is that the International Space Station, let's imagine it is a, a good proxy. The mm -hmm. International Space Station rotates the Earth about every 90 minutes, which means that you get 16 sunsets and sunrises every single day what? on the International Space Station. Now, that being said, the astronaut's circadian rhythm is constantly thrown off because of constantly experiencing sunrise and sunset, but they still follow the Earth time zone specifically the gmt time zone because it is more convenient for interacting with a mission control now my question to you i understand why the iss would do that as dysfunctional as it be but if you had a whole society that was existing in space that didn't rely on earth communication constantly why would they do that if I, I got I got down a whole rabbit hole. Well, I paused yeah. the movie for like 20 minutes and was like, I have to understand how time works. Like, obviously, time functions the same. But like, That's I it. needed to know how ISS manages measuring time and like how they plan their day. And basically, they just go off the GMT time zone. Oh, wow. I don't understand time zones on Earth, so I really don't <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd be, you'd be ruined. time zones in space. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for I can't sure. think about this too hard or it's going to hurt my Trying brain. to contend with Molly as we fly from Orlando to LA, Max, is like trying to talk. She's like, why do we go back in time? We I didn't. do not understand how I, it takes 
all day to get there. It feels like, but it's only been an hour, but I've been in the air for five hours. I don't understand. Yeah. You don't need to tell me, Molly, that, you know, during the pandemic, we hung out on video call probably once a week and you never knew what time it was in <laughs> California. So, so I still don't. I, yeah, like we would talk all the time and I would establish to you I'm three hours behind and the next week you'd be like so it's 2 p.m. there and I'm like Molly it's 9 p.m. at your time I um <laughs> no it's not I, 2 p.m. here I, I, I actually was gonna bring this up in a little bit so keep thinking about how I don't know about time zones because I have mm, a point I, later it's I live with it so I will keep thinking yeah, about it think about it okay so we get a couple of things established one xenon is a force of chaos on the space station I everybody her. knows it including commander plank he said he he gave off bad guy vibes right off the rip and even like even if not bad guy just like weirdly antagonistic uh one thing that i will note is that unlike brink the music choices for bgm in this film are a bop throughout they do such a good job of matching tone to music i feel like they just took the epcot future world bgm and threw it into this movie yeah it was it's like an up upbeat lo-fi epcot spaceship earth future world not the only time i think we'll see spaceship earth in this movie so uh so we've end up finding xenon in class where we meet raven and i did not know raven simone was in this film her name's nebula nebula or neb neb for short in class, where she immediately, again, kind of continuing the chaos, causes trouble by listening to cosmic rock music. It's a radio station, which is apparently a thing in space in 2049. And she's listening to... <laughs> I had to read Protozoa? Yeah, that's the band. Is it Protozoa? No, okay, here. hold on. Is Protozoa the person? Protozoa yeah. is the person. Protozoa okay. is the Justin Timberlake. Frosted Mi- and all. Microbe. Microbe is the insane. Is the band. Okay, mm-hmm. you can understand. They use those interchangeably. Protozoa yeah. is bit. the singer with the sweet frosted tips. Okay, That's, they later in the movie they'll call him Mister Zoa, which is to suggest <laughs> that his first name is Proto. Proto, and his last first name, name Proto last is name Zoa. It's not Protozoa. Okay, it's Protozoa. Not me going <laughs> to the credits Zoa. immediately. That's they call him Mr. Zoa in the movie. You, I don't care. Holy shit. He's listed as first name Proto, last name Zoa, capital Z. That's in the credits. That's what they call him in the movie. That's not surprising to also, me. Also, there is a backslash on this accreditation, and it also gives him credits for microbe. Well, are they the same? Is that is microbe the same? Microbe, microbe is, is the, the band. band. Yeah, the band. Do you understand that Justin Timberlake and NSYNC are two different things? I do, but why are they why are they crediting Philip Reese as Protozoa and he's Microbe? He's part of Microbe. Fair enough. I'm yeah, no more questions, Your Honor. You got it. So, Alan, we, in modern music, yep. there are these things called bands. Yes, there are. And uh-huh. they're made up of people. Tell me more. And sometimes <laughs> when you say NSYNC, you can mean the whole group, but also in that whole group is a collection of individuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is so. A group. In this instance, a band, Microbe, is <laughs> yep. made up of yep. multiple people. Tell one of more. which is Mr. Zoa, P Zoa, you might say. <laughs> P Zoa, P Z, as his friends. Yeah, P Z, P Z. Uh, easy peasy. Okay, so 
She's listening to Cosmic Rock Radio, and we find out that Chelsea Clinton is the president. Yeah, and that's the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that you think the United States is going to elect a woman president by 2049. That, oh, I have I have a pretty unrealistic piece a little bit later, but I agree that is very unrealistic. Yeah, uh, for, it's, it's cute that we like to think that in, let's see, it's 2022, 20 seven years from now we'll have a woman president but i don't yeah i don't see it happening yeah. actually alan I, I i'm sorry i don't i, I want to go back for just a second because i okay. thought of, a, of an analogy that might help you a little bit more <laughs> you, you know the god damn it, you know nice. the barbershop quartet the dapper dance i'm familiar <laughs> do you know that each one of their names is not dan you know what max <laughs> Does that help? I, I, it, it Does helps. that help? You know what? Because like you might call one of them a Dan, oh, I hate but you, you know That's they're true. not named Dan, right? I, I, can I? Can I? Did that help? Because otherwise, have you heard of the Country Bears? <laughs> I want. I want. You know how I they're not all called Country Bear? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Like, like Big Wendell, Al, yeah, yeah, Shaker yeah. Bear. Yeah, but they are collectively the Country Bears. But also, you might call one a Country Bear. Sure. Right? Yeah. Does this help, Alan? <laughs> it's so helpful. I appreciate both of you deeply. Your explanation. Okay, you know the band Hanson. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one, right? they could all be called Hanson. Hanson. But, but also uh, Hanson. And, and it's I know that's a little confusing, Alan, because they are named Hanson. So that <laughs> one... But his, just to be clear, his band's name is not Zoa. It's, it's, his band's name is Microbe, okay? So in the Hanson analogy, his band might be called Zoa, and there might be like Protozoa, and then Lulu Zoa. I don't know. You know? Lulu Zoa. And I'm getting shit for the accreditation that IMDb we is should providing. make this band. Uh, Zoa, yes. Zoa. Yeah, Can it be, I'm sorry. Zoa. What's the what's the energy drink that The Rock puts out? Because I think it's pretty close to Zoa. What is it? Rock. Does he have an energy drink? If he does, he does. what I, does I, he not have? Well, I want it. Well, he, I want the tequila. A presidency. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just called Zoa. Wait, what? Yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. Who knew that The Rock was such a Xenon fan? He was a massive We've Xenon this fan. this all the way around. Yeah. Oh, my nice. God. DTRJ, a major. <laughs> Xenon fan, major. <laughs> so much so that he would name his energy drink, certainly Zola. not inspired by any Samoan heritage. <laughs> this was inspired entirely by the, the 2049 <laughs> band, Zoa. Yes, naturally. Oh my God. Okay, we find Xenon back to bring us back. We find Xenon in class, getting in trouble for listening to the Cosmic Rock radio station playing Protozoa, playing Microbe Micro. with Protozoa as a lead singer. He You're still so confused. It's he okay. I'm no, so he gets it. You know, you know, it's hard. It's a, it's a very hard thing. Uh, and she is going Nova, no wait, Supernova for this band. Supernova major, I'm sure. And yeah. the news that they are hosting a competition because they're going to perform a rock concert on the space station and they're hosting a competition for one person to come dance on the stage with them and it's like an art competition like you have to like enter the contest with art to show why you should be the winner. i don't 
I don't know where they establish how what the how you win the contest. All I know is she makes a creepy ass doll, (laughs) and somehow it gets on Earth. I I have a lot of questions about that doll. Here's what I don't understand: is there's they set it up like like it's going to be winning the lottery. Like the, the odds are low that you would win this. The odds are the space station. But then they show the space station and all the teenagers. There's like 14 kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have a one in 14 shot. But I like wonder everyone odds. knows her name. It's <laughs> also like. Xenon. Could he not just dance with everyone? Like it, the stage is probably big enough. Oh, for we everyone. get to see the stage later and it is certainly big enough. Like <laughs> anyway. So, so in any case, they established that there is a contest for who is going to dance on stage with Microbe as they are making their first ever trip to space. Not just a holographic, because we've established that that's a thing that you can do because the teachers are a holograph. Yeah, it's like 2020 teachers. For sure. It's, it's remote. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to the teachers in 2020 and beyond. Xenon it's, predicted COVID. Z, yeah, it's just canon. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. You know I do what? remember watching that and watching them like basically FaceTime and being like, whoa now now you want to be creeped out even more we find out just in a bit when they sent this space station into space in xenon girl of the 21st century this is in 2024 right 2022 it was this year that they sent seven years 27 years did i do math wrong nope i did math right 2049 2022 yeah xenon's up there right now so somewhere canonically on earth we are prepping or have prepped and sent a space station to conduct experiments on anti-gravitational rats for reasons sponsored by the Wyndham Hotelier. That's yep, a thing. That, add, that adds up. I like to think that. that adds and it's up. all in response, as Max has deduced, to COVID. Wow. She figured this out. Okay, so there's a contest. And all of the teens, all... 14 of them are going to enter into this contest the to dance teen on stage. girls. I think the odds are even better because the boys are like, this is dumb. So it's like, it's just the six girls are entering this contest. After the, sort of the school day wraps, we find everybody back in Xenon's room discussing the contest. And this is when we're introduced to what I think is like a main question that I have for not you, Molly, but you, Max. Did you have frosted tips? Wow. Why, why doesn't Molly get asked if she had frosted tips? Molly, did you have frosted I, I, tips? I have frosted tips right now. It's yeah, my that's, whole that's head. Why this is why it's way more, you know, I, I'm just saying Molly's continued this fashion trend. True. I mean, well, I never, I never had frosted tips. The most I ever did was I had in hair gel that would color your hair. And ooh. so one summer I was real into having some blue but it didn't, my hair is pretty dark. And so it didn't actually work that well. Like it would just give like a uh-huh. blue sheen, kind of like a patina, you know, onto my hair <laughs> nice. rather than like, like my, my mom wouldn't let me color my hair blue. So she just gave me this like cheap blue hair gel that would kind of give me like a bluish sheen to it. Mm. Uh, no frosted tips though. I did. I'm going to need tips. photo evidence. Yeah, we're going to need pictures of that. We're going to need pictures I don't, of that. I don't know if photos exist. I would I'm have to contact my family. I don't believe that. Yeah. I would have to contact my family to find them. But I remember distinctly, they would put this like rubber thimble. Yes. It's, it's like a like cross between like a hair. thimble and a condom over your head. Yep. And pluck your, it hurt it really like badly because it had holes in the top, like scattered around the top of it. And they it were like a using like a crochet needle pull your hair out and then dye just the tips of the hair. And I, both that of you know this my hair for a while. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, 
both of you know this and anybody who's seen any photos of us would know like I have very like thick and curly hair that I keep very short. That was not always the case. Uh, it used to be very long and the frosted tips were always when it was very long. It did not look good <laughs> at all. I am going to need a photo of this. Yeah, I would like to see that. I, I would like to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have. I think. Mr. Zoa. I, <laughs> I am. I protozoa. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, yeah. Protozoa does have some sweet frosted tips. But I got to give the fashion award to Xenon in this film because oh, oh, yeah, her sure. outfit is iconic. Like the minute Throughout. I saw it, I was like, yes, I remember that outfit so vividly. I thought it was so cool how she had the like bright colored tights and the metallic vibes and like mm-hmm. a great outfit. Uh, so, I mean, I agree completely. Actually, most of the space station outfits were Pretty on point. I, I liked Nebula's pigtails too, and how she used like slinkies to be her pigtail scrunchies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but now that you said it, it, it pops pops back in my memory. Um, so again, we're in Xenon's room. They're discussing the contest. We're getting some very clear indications of what life is like on Earth. Mainly, my favorite is that on Earth, everybody's a suddenly thirty pounds heavier, which is a great excuse for any bloating that I have in the future. And then we get an unscripted spacewalk to watch a solar flare, which. All of those words in that sentence are incredibly dangerous and could result in the death of the individual going to perform that action. Yeah, Yeah, she hard dies if she actually does this. For sure. Yeah, she like and her friends sneak down to the lower level of the ship. They they like take the codes to get in from their parents and stuff. She puts on a full space suit, is tethered to the ship and like goes out into space. And I just thought, when I was that age, did I sneak out of the house? Sure. Yeah. All I did was, like, go to my friend's house down the street and, like, hang yeah. out in her basement. Like, I don't think I could have died. I, I, this, mean, I, this feels like she could have definitely died pretty easily and probably should have. <laughs> this movie runs on the irresponsibility of adults. For sure. Just to be clear. Like... This whole movie functions on the fact that no parent can keep track of very sensitive restricted codes to different rooms in the space station. That one they, kid gets. They are all the, the the children of parents with the highest level of access possible on the space station, <laughs> and none of those parents ever protect any of their access. Like those kids have the run of the place. Those parents- so much so that they can just go out in space. <laughs> <laughs> those parents iPad codes are one, two, three, four. Like, right. They, or one, five, three, nine, as we find later. Like, uh, yeah, she literally is just in space with some beautiful CGI work mm-hmm. um, that I believe, fun fact, that is actually what you see when you go to Space 220 is this footage from Xenon. Disney oh. recycled oh. it and put it into Space 220. I mean, you would How know. That? That's, that's a I made tip. that up, but. No, 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 no. Do it's you canon. believe it? It's canon. You said it with if confidence. If I said it with enough confidence. Yeah. I thought you were talking shit about the quality of what you see in Space <laughs> 220. So. <laughs> or am I complimenting Xenon? Both. You know, mm. who's to say? Mm. Yeah, when you see the astronauts float by in Space That's 220, Xenon? it's Xenon. Wow. It's Xenon. <laughs> it's yeah. Xenon. I, I yeah. also like, here's one last thing I want to acknowledge about this unscripted spacewalk. No adults are involved in getting this 13-year-old child in a spacesuit. And I refuse to believe that those children have any concept of how to put any other human 
in a space suit. That's where well, I was she's concerned. Dead. She's dead. There's no 100%. way that helmet was on properly. Like, and, no then, and then when dad shows up, the smirk he gives like my girl and then just like <laughs> she's dead. like bring her back in like oh, xenon <laughs> like that feels like the equivalent of finding your 13 year old earth child hammer drunk behind the wheel of a car like right. it, it yep. feels like and being just like <laughs> while holding a live firearm like I, like, <laughs> like your your 13 year old child wow. is drunk driving firing rounds into the sky right like and you catch them and you're just like oh what a you scamp. again you, you scamp <laughs> oh my god so xenon but that but, is and That's, then and then go, but it was pretty cool. What a cool player. <laughs> oh, this is this is like one of the only moments that I was like, I see this differently as an adult. Because oh, I sure. know as a kid I was like, Oh, she's so cool. And as an adult, I was like, That mm, she's dead. So, yeah. so she's dead she, She's dead for show. So they get pulled she gets pulled back in reasonable she gets taken to be punished by her parents reasonable and when i say by her parents i mean her mom which has the most reasonable reaction of any adult in this film is like why did you do that this is a big deal you could have died and then xenon utters for the second time in a row the same line that we hear in halloween town i'm 13 i'm an adult incorrect factually correct oh okay <laughs> That explains it. I, I do just want to point out, we're not going to be clicking up the single parent counter this movie oh, for the no. first That's true. time. No single parent. This is um, the first one. Because no we do get very present mom and dad. Yes, we do. Yeah. Unclear incredibly irresponsible parents. dad, but certainly present. Yeah, He's I mean, better than Ralph from Brink. Yeah, yeah. Irresponsibility does not equate to dead, but it I is not good. I think he's the opposite of Ralph from Brain. Yeah. I actually, I actually like made that mental note of like, I think that he is, if you take Ralph from Brink, who is unrelatable to his child, won't speak their language, isn't interested in anything he does, but like punishes and disciplines and does the thing. This guy is very relatable to his child, loves the solar flare and how cool the colors are, speaks her language, uses the slang, and doesn't punish her at all. Well, he, I mean, <laughs> the parents punish her in a little bit, but you know mom's the driving force. Oh, for right. sure. We get introduced to two inventions that I swear I wish existed today, and that is a stress helmet and a chill chamber. Oh. I want those, specifically the stress helmet, just because whenever I get stressed, I pop that son of a gun on and I'm feeling better. And I don't Pretty know about sure you, but that's wow. Drugs, Alan. <laughs> and, <laughs> wow. and I'm pretty sure that a chill chamber is just where you float. You I like lose, that. like there's no um, sensation. Sensory, so deprivation like a chamber? sensory deprivation chamber. Thank you. We got a, simfer, a sensory deprivation chamber. That Pretty sure that's a chill stress. chamber. I've heard you see God. So, so you think that is a hyper, like a sensory deprivation chamber that she's in? No, I'm just saying, I think that those things exist with different names. Oh, well, they have a different language for everything else in this I, movie. I think I agree that drugs and the stress helmet are a little bit harder to equate, but <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I I like to drink stress helmet. It's, oh. it's made of grapes. 
Ah, ah, yes. Wine is my stress helmet. Um, so we find that the mother is obvious. The mother is wound very tight. I think for a good reason, because Xenon is a very stressful child. But we ultimately, there's no punishment meted upon Xenon for a certainly death-causing, unscripted spacewalk, which is nonsensical to me. And then we find her back in her room where she is showing to Neb the creepy Slenderman sculpture of protozoa as you mentioned max the i i paused for a moment mentally not not the actual film i paused for a moment mentally when i saw it and i was like that arm is unnaturally long like well we also learned that she's made it from trash they both make (laughs) their things from trash right that like not only is it a creepy doll creature but it's a creepy doll creature specifically made from space trash yeah yeah, which we find to be later when she's in the trash compactor, circa Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. It's very much like somebody is throwing, like the space trash is the arts and crafts leftovers from a middle school classroom. I just want to know how they have so much trash because their whole thing is that they like don't have anything extra. Like when we're jumping ahead, but like when she gets to Earth, she sees a flower and she's like, what's the purpose of this? And... um her aunt's like, oh, flowers are just beautiful. Some things are just beautiful. And she's like, well, in on the space station, like everything has a purpose. And I'm just wondering how they have so much trash. Have you heard of Forky? Yeah. Forky's trash. That's not, that has nothing to do with this. Well, trash has a, you're saying Forky doesn't have a purpose. I know you two hate Forky and you want me to admit that. Forky I want you to say Forky doesn't terrible. have a purpose. No, I'm telling you that the space station. Trash. I mean, I think that what she's doing with the trash is sort of, in Forky support ask. of what is in support of what you're saying, Molly. Although I don't know that I think all of the space station does it right. Her approach of going into the recycling bin, taking stuff out, and making creepy doll person <laughs> is <laughs> is reusing everything, yeah. right? So I what what's hard to understand, I guess, is is that a personal philosophy, or is that actually the approach of the space station? You know what I mean. I just am surprised they have so much to begin with. I agree. I agree. It it's is a, it's, it's a lot of trash. Also, you're giving me arguments for Forky because she's reusing trash and making something beautiful out of it. Well, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's beautiful, Molly, I, but I, she more meant, is reusing it to I, make a weird toy I, thing. I, I more meant that <laughs> I like Nebula's jewelry she's making. That's true. Yeah, yeah, Nebula, nice. Nebula has a talent. Uh, we also find out in this sequence that there is going to be a visitor to the space station so that the parents of the space station, or I guess just the, the assorted adults, who are all scientists, we learn in this sequence, are trying to, to convince this individual who we learn is Mr. Wyndham, who has sponsored the Wincorp space station. Uh, they're trying to ensure that they can maintain the space station, keep it up and running, keep doing the research, etc. And they're like, Xenon, please, for the love of all that is good and holy... Do not be a force of chaos in this moment. To which she's like, yeah, sure. Well, they, I mean, what they establish is that their, their space station's falling apart. That the, that the space station has existed, to Alan's point earlier, 27 years. It's been flying. They've got all kinds of problems. It's constantly running into issues. It needs maintenance. It needs upgrades. And it costs a lot of money, reasonably so, to run a whole space station with all these people on it. And that the owner of this corporation is going to come and they need to impress him so that he will actually fund all of these 
upgrades and all of this maintenance and not shut them down because we might imagine they are hemorrhaging cash. This is an an entirely like this has been in the red the whole time. They've never made money. It's an it's an altruistic seemingly uh, research facility that's in space. When the the leading experiment, which are Xenon's parents, the car couple, when they inform us that their leading experiment is an anti-gravitational rat, I don't understand the cross-application of that. Well, they're they doing have a bone hypothesis. marrow experiment. They're doing bone marrow On experiment. The, but they need the rat to be anti-gravitational Correct. to do the yes, experiment for, for reasons. Chamber. Yeah. For science reasons? For, reasons. for science reasons. That's oh, right. well, that, for, you know what? That plugs yeah, You know what? You're not a scientist. Holds. You probably don't understand. Here's the second most unbelievable thing. It's okay, buddy. You're still working on bands. Here's the second most unbelievable thing about this movie. The first, as Molly said, that there is a woman president. <laughs> the second is that the first people to live in space will not be because of capitalism. Like the, the like <laughs> we already know, we already know, right. That it is a space race between Jeffy B and Elon to get people living in space. Right. And so the idea that researchers and scientists are the first people to live no full time on a space station. No shot. I mean, I understand <laughs> NASA's got people on the ISS, but like, beyond literal astronauts you're telling me that we're going to be funding an altruistic research facility yeah okay yeah (laughs) no way no shot in hell um so we are introduced very quickly after this to mr Wyndham and his assistant mr lutz and mr lutz looks exceedingly like the human version of a turtle and they are <laughs> and they are walking and they're just kind of doing the rounds. And of course, the the car couple, Mr. and Mrs. Carr, uh, Xenon's mom and dad, are appointed as his guides, you know, because plot. And they are taking him around the space station. And Xenon, who has promised to not get into trouble, is gearing up to sneak into in broad space light the trash. Every 90 minutes is a new sunrise. So, yeah, that adds up to me. But when she meets Mr. Wyndham, she sucks up to him. She does beautifully. She's yeah. like a wordsmith. I love her so much. For sure. Dual worthy. He said he's like slimy and creepy and you immediately don't trust him. And this man cannot wink. No, he can't. He cannot. <laughs> it's unsettling. It he looks his like, eyes are unsettling. Wait, wait, who, who did, wait, hold on. There is a very, like, I thought of a oh, very I know clear who, character. I wrote it down pop culture that we've referred to previously already in the first episode of this there is a character from a tv show that we've all watched that i was like that's who that guy is because he can't wink because he can't wink do you know who it is max no marshall erickson from Mm. how i met your mother and i cannot wink i actually wrote this down and this is where we're going to get back to time zones in that episode of how i met your mother they talk about knowledge gaps and how every adult has like a knowledge gap of something that they don't understand Mm -hmm. and they should and one of Marshall's is that he can't wink. Mine is that I don't understand time zones. What are your knowledge gaps? Well, clearly mine is I don't understand bands. Well, we've established that. So, yeah, I, I think that's clearly established as of this episode of Zetas yeah. and Petas. Uh, Max, what's your what's your gap? I know everything. Oh, okay. A, yeah. a, true, right. a truly so, humble, a humble yeah. uh, man that we, we have yeah. here. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Maybe my knowledge gap is that I don't know what I don't know. No, how prophetic. 
That's just yeah. what, like what a what a what a deep thought that we have there. I I also am not. I can do the time on the analog. It'll take me a second. I'm sorry. What? Like one of the other characters can't she tell can time, on, time an on an analog clock. Can do the time on <laughs> an analog clock. Do the time on I, the I analog. What does that mean? You can't tell read it. the hands. Not <laughs> on a clock. Not super fast. Okay. But they're pointing at numbers. You know what? This is really just a time thing for you, then. <laughs> That's right. It's, 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 it's not. Just time. It's just it's time. Just, blanket you have a statement. hard time with time. It's don't a blanket you? statement. Then. How often are you late, Molly? Most of the time. Yeah, I think that maybe we have a. There's a trend here. That's. Um, Do you want to know? I think you just struggle with time in general. Do you want to know something interesting? I learned about being late. Okay. Tell me. Optimists are late more than um, pessimists. Because, because you think you have enough time. Optimists yeah. believe they have enough time. They don't, this but you believe like just, it. You're yeah. like, oh, I can get there in 20 minutes. You can never get there in 20 this minutes. This feels like a PR person's excuse for being late. Is yeah, what it feels it's what like. I tell it, myself. Oh, yeah. God. I, yeah, I think the takeaway from this is that if it has to do with time, you struggle with it. Yeah. I try <laughs> to be on time, but I'm not like an hour late. We have friends that are like are an hour late everywhere you go. It's annoying. Well, they're on their own time zone, so you would be if you were dealing with time zones, though. I That's think, true. Maybe. If you told me yeah. to show up at a certain like two o'clock Pacific, I wouldn't be. Uh, You'd have a hard time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, as so as previously established, there are what nineteen you mentioned max sunrises and sunsets. So I think sixteen. You, there are sixteen si- sunrises and sunsets in space. So you would be late constantly constantly by yeah. by at least one sunrise and or sunset i wouldn't have no idea what was going on in space well but neither do the astronauts i'm telling you it shouldn't they, they shouldn't care like it, it doesn't it makes no sense for them to use our clock on that space station not at all uh, you That's know true. what would be an easier method of this is whenever you like uh niner niner hello there uh, back at uh back on earth um what time is it? I think that would be a, a clear way to solve for everything. Just just lead with the question. Mission control. Uh, what is the time right now? And just have somebody on call. Have Greg. Not Greg from Xenon, but Greg who has actually Specifically gotten... Specifically Greg from Xenon, actually. <laughs> you want Greg from Xenon from to be at the space station? Yeah. Or to be at, be at mission control? We are introduced with Mr. Wyndham and Lutz, who are at the space station doing their rounds. Xenon sucks up to them. And then we get to what is sort of like the drama is that Xenon believes that Mr. Wyndham is skeezy. Up to no good. Up to just sketchy. She's not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. But nobody else believes her because, you know, why would they? Xenon has been a force of chaos the entire time. So Xenon takes matters into her own hands. Although the first time, unintentionally, she goes back to the trash to collect things to find the perfect guitar pick for her creepy Slenderman doll and spots Mr. Lutz attempting to go into... Oh, by the way, want to pause for a moment? I did not recognize this yet, but I don't, I don't know. And I don't know if either of you did. But the signs in the space station, everybody's speaking English. Xenon goes to Earth later, spoiler alert, also speaks English. All of the signs in the typed language on the space station are in a form of space hieroglyphics. Uh, it said main memory on the outside of that room. It did. And then they got inside and it was space hieroglyphics. The code was for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. It's, 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 so that's just a note that I made. I was like, that seems weird. So we see Mr. Lutz attempting to get into the main memory, as you mentioned, Max room. And Xenon spots him. And she takes matters into her own hand. She's like, you can't get in there. You don't have control access into there and convinces him to leave. But then she's on to them. She's like, they're up to no good. 
you know, they're doing something sketchy on the space station. Nobody believes her. She does cause a bunch of chaos. She breaks in to the top secretist. Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking the class four security. She breaks into the class four security computer room to follow Mr. Lutz. Of course, Mr. Lutz doesn't get caught in there, but Xenon does. And my favorite part of that scene is when he I'm skipping ahead, but I just couldn't ha- help myself when he has the disc and he goes to put it in his pocket and just misses entirely, drops it on the ground and does not notice at all. And it, as, as by the scene, like it makes a very loud clanging noise. Just ping. ping. It's the single most important thing about his job is this disc, and he just misses the pocket in the most obvious way and drops it on the ground of the space day. Oh, it's wild. Uh, Which Nebula does find it, though, and (laughs) and that's a a key plot point is Nebula finds the disc. Very true. Yeah, Xenon gets caught in the super secret special control room, and her parents' reaction is to then banish her to planet Earth. Yeah. Seems like a harsh punishment. The previously established by the mother, Mrs. Carr, worst place ever. Yeah, like, where everybody gets you sick there. all the time. Gravity's a bitch. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah, there's all these terrible things about it. But like, she gets sent to Earth. I, I guess my feeling in this moment was like space travel is much more normal. I mean, you have people living in space. Obviously, there are shuttles that go. But I was like, that is quite extreme. To literally send someone onto Earth. Again, she could die. Like, that was, I mean, maybe I am overreacting about the, like, dangers of space travel because it's 2049 and now it's normal. But I was like, there are so many things that could go wrong with you literally flying through outer space on a space shuttle. Maybe we don't risk the life of my teenage daughter in this way. Well... It's cavalier. The pilots of the shuttle are not in, oh, nor are the passengers in any form of spacesuits. All they got are some Oakleys. That's like all they have on them is they just throw on some some dope Oakleys and pilot a perfectly CGI'd shuttle back down to Earth. It's like it's the nonchalance of it all was really unsettling. Well, and spoiler alert. We also find out that not only does she get sent to Earth, the like self-proclaimed worst place in the galaxy to go live with her aunt. She also finds out that her phone, essentially her communicator, is cut off from anyone but her parents. So she can't talk to her friends. Mm-hmm. And we find out that she had won the contest. She was going to be the one to get to dance with Protozoa on stage. We also find out she's not going to get to do that anymore. Yeah, Which, well, because she's grounded. That feels like three very separate punishments, and she gets all three of them. for. It doesn't mm. feel like... Hey, Molly, she went into a class four secure zone. I, I know, I'm just saying one of those would be an appropriate people, punishment, hey, listen, and not said, the Earth one. People the, said not once, but twice, that that could risk the life of everybody on that space station. Now, to be fair, she was able to do that because... The codes were left out on the kitchen table with a sign that said, don't go in here. And she <laughs> took those and she, you know, she used them. But how dare you sneak in? 
I mean, it's just ridiculous. But I'm just saying that feels like a lot of punishments. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. I I agree. I think banishing her onto Earth when her family lives in frickin' space is obviously an unbelievable punishment. Go away from your family, away from all your friends, away from your school. Go live with your like kooky aunt who you Aunt Judy. Who you haven't seen in forever because Aunt Judy's afraid to space travel. Go try to make all new friends in the middle of the school year. Um, And also this cool once in a lifetime opportunity you want with your favorite artist. You don't get to do that either. Whoa, chill mom. Yeah, it was a lot for her sin minor, as she says later on. So she's on earth. She's taken back. Oh, go on. One little note before we get to earth, because I do want to get to earth. Um, Nebula gives her a going away present and Uh, it's an earring made of the disc the plot from earring. Mr. Lutz. So yeah. she the is bringing the, the plot, plot earring. earring to Earth. Yep. Yeah. So she, wearing the plot earring as a gift from Neb, she goes back to Earth. To add insult to injury, she goes back to Earth with Wyndham and Mr. Lutz on the same space shuttle. They land back on Earth. She struggles with gravity right off the bat. She sneezes immediately. It's really just a time. Gravity's a bitch when she gets there. Oh, for like sure. She doesn't know how to walk because she's not used to having... She Maria Sharapova grunts with every single step. That I mean that that would be real. She would be yeah, wrecked. Sure. If but she also, was. those men are a holes. Like help her with her bags, gentlemen. Yeah. Like they just see her. They, she literally falls down the space shuttle stairs, and they just like watch her and then walk away. And she's got to like pick her suitcase Dumb idiot up. Learn to walk. <laughs> I really enjoy Aunt Judy. Huh. She's kooky. She's zany. She's wacky, she's flawed, but lovable because she's hyper aware of it. Like she is hyper aware of her own shit. And I can identify with that a little bit. (laughs) Like I know I'm a weird human, but at least I'm aware I'm a weird human. I was like, Aunt Judy, I feel that. So she meets Aunt Judy. They go to have a meal and we're introduced to the friend group of Earth that is going to come back and recur. They're unnamed as of yet, but we eventually learn that they are Margie, Margie, Greg, Greg, and and Andrew. Andrew. Margie yeah. is a full-on bitch. Yeah, she's a bitch. God, right off the rip. Um, Greg is Derek Zoolander. He's got one look. It's creepy, and he keeps giving it to Xenon. And Andrew is tech guy. It is, it is just like... That's true. Those are the roles assigned. Are you saying that you would be tech guy, Max would be Greg, and I would be Margie? You're Andrew. Is that how we're going to play this? Let's try. You know what, Alan? I think this is your best cast again. Honestly, I I, literally, yes. Can I be Andrew? Can I be Xenon at least? Nope. You're Margie. (laughs) If we got to cast the three, then I do think that's where it falls. I agree. But they eventually ditch Margie and then it would be Xenon. Sure. You know know what? I'll accept Margie. Some days you're a little Xenon. Although, uh, to be honest with you, Molly, I think I'm more Xenon than you are. I just loved her sick burns. Xenon has some sick burns. She has some sick burns. She claps like like the mask clap back on Margie. Yeah. If it is Halloween, give me that mask you're wearing. It'll be the scariest costume I I could find. We do it in this scene where they go to eat. This is now, by the way, if you're keeping count, this is the third most unrealistic thing I've heard in this movie so far. (laughs) So again, just to reestablish, number one, we have a female president. Number two, space travel is not driven by capitalism. And number three, they talk about uh, Xenon says to Aunt Judy, well, this isn't, you know, in the news, this isn't what Earth looked like. 
because they're shooting a movie in 1999 and they need a reason that it doesn't look like the future. And so, uh, and Judy <laughs> says, we're just letting time progress normally here. Overhead monorails and high rise megaliths of LA and New York are a little much. And um, listen, I know y'all don't live in LA, but as somebody that does live in LA, the idea of LA having good public transportation is truly <laughs> something out of a sci-fi movie. Because let me tell you, it does not. Uh, we have um, no semblance of public transportation, basically. It is uh, horrible. So the idea that we would is truly the third craziest thing in this film so far. Oh, God. So uh, we also learn in this sort of restaurant scene that Xenon is, with the sustainability trend, Xenon has only been eating like what the space station could grow. And so she's like, the, Aunt Judy goes, don't you want some hamburgers or hot dogs or pizza? And Xenon's like, I don't know what those are. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 Every, what? Like what? I couldn't go to space, it sounds like. It yeah. sounds like I'm eating a lot of like hydroponic, like living with the land style vegetables. Yes. Blue shrimp. Mm. Uh, canon. Mm. It is blue shrimp. Um, I do want to point out, this is very important. Greg, I was like, I know that face. I know that face. He is Ephraim from Everwood, which a lot of people were excited about. But I am more excited that he was in The Patriot. Y'all remember oh, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, he my was in the God. Patriot. He is Mel Gibson's son that gets killed by he's Lucius the, Malfoy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. He's the middle son. Yeah, and he goes to... Lucius Malfoy captures one of Mel Gibson's sons. Mm -hmm. Lucius Malfoy kills... Him. No, he doesn't Greg. kill... No, no, he doesn't he kill Heath Ledger? Yes, later, but he kills him first. Oh, he kills a lot of Mel Gibson's sons. This, oh, okay, this, okay, okay, okay. It's like, this is the kid that is running out, following, he's like, like Lucius Malfoy's done something bad. I forget what it was. This is at the beginning of the movie. This kid's name is Thomas. He runs out to, like, stop Lucius Malfoy, and Lucius Malfoy shoots him in front of the house. And this is what angers Mel Gibson enough to go fight. That's right. That's right. And he is the kid that always has like the metal army soldiers. Yeah. And Mel Gibson melts them down to make bullets. bullets. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I was watching this and I thought about how also in the Patriot is Chris Cooper. You guys know that actor, Chris Cooper? No. Yeah, you do. He's been in everything. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm sure Um, you know him. I say I don't. You tell me I do. I know you do. You know what, Max? He's one of those. He's one of those. He was in like. Um, the Horse Whisperer. He was famously Never. Never um, one of the cars in Cars Three. Well, that I, I does give definitely. me a description oh, of his face. Oh, 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 this guy. Yes, yes. I do know this guy. Yes. Also so in the Patriot. Yes. yes. So he's Chris Cooper. He's he's one of the voice actors. Oh. Yeah, he's oh. one of the voice actors for Smokey in Cars Three. Also in Cars Three, Owen Wilson, Lightning McQueen. What you know what? Other, six degrees. Or what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, what you game know are we what playing? other movie Owen Wilson's in? <laughs> Armageddon. Hi. <laughs> uh, why are we here? <laughs> Folly. <laughs> Again? I spent fifteen minutes trying to connect this movie to Armageddon. <laughs> why are we here? Fuck <laughs> oh, <laughs> Why are you doing this? So you just went. I'm sorry. You went. 
Greg to the Patriot He's to Chris Cooper. Yeah. To, to, to Cars 3, <laughs> to Owen Wilson, to Armageddon. Yeah. Can you bring it back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me a little bit. Give me, bring go it back. the opposite direction. Do I yeah. bring it back? You gotta from, get it back new to Xenon. New from people. Armageddon? Yeah. From Armageddon. Okay, keep talking about Greg well, and Well, we Indian. have actual stuff from Xenon to I'll talk about. I'll get us back. I'll get us back. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Oh my right, god! Look at the cast of Armageddon. Probably Curse of Storm is your is you know somebody was on Days Duel. of Our Lives. Yeah, I'm sure. Duel. Why are uh, we calling it Duel? It would be D O A L, right? Because Duel? on because on Friends, Joey goes oh, on Days right, right, of Our right, Lives right, and he right, calls right, it right. Duel. He calls it Duel. Okay, okay. Like D O O L. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Duel. Oh my god! I can't believe we're back at Armageddon. I'm so I'm so unhinged. You okay. know what's wild? This is the second time we've talked about the damn movie this episode. Yeah, like, I know. This is already I, didn't, covered it. I didn't plan you on didn't talking even... to it the first time, but I, so I wrote that down just to be able to bring up we Armageddon already, somehow. I just had to make sure that Armageddon was going to cover this stupid episode. <laughs> God forbid we have one <laughs> podcast <laughs> episode without it. Okay, so we we cut to Xenon at school. It is just a travesty. Top to bottom, front to back, not a good time. She does not understand the language. She does not know how to swim. Margie pushes her into the pool, which again, this is now the second event that could have killed Xenon because she doesn't know how to swim, is drowning before Greg saves her. And then she's mean to Greg, I guess, because she's embarrassed. Well, now, hold on. This does lead to a very important line in this movie, though, okay? Because Margie pushes Xenon into the pool after you know they say can you swim she goes of course i've i've swam from this thing to this solar flare or whatever they like to reference solar flares and of course she does almost drown to your point alan greg saves her they bring her out of the pool they he says thought you said you could swim she goes in space and then of course greg quotes will smith welcome to earth <laughs> Independence Day. Yeah, on Independence I, Day. I actually looked up to make sure that Independence Day came out before this movie, or if Will Smith was quoting Greg, which I actually liked that version of the story better. That would, is better. Would be if if we already um, know that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a massive protozoa <laughs> fan, but if maybe Will Smith was a big Xenon fan as well. And was quoting Greg in Independence oh. Day, but Independence Day comes out in 1996. So clearly, Greg, a massive fan of Will Smith. Now, for him, of course, that movie is 50 years old, but he, <laughs> he loves a sci-fi classic. <laughs> I think they probably teach uh, the Independence Day in in school. You know, since now yeah. they're exploring space and they want everyone to know about the aliens. And so, you know, he just gives Xenon the look and, and gives her the classic Will Smith line: "Welcome to Earth." Welcome to Earth. Well, okay, I've I have something to tell you. I, are we coming? Are we getting it back around? Did you do it? Have you Have you heard of Ben Affleck? He started. You know, I have famously stars in Armageddon. Yep. He also was in a film, a political thriller, uh-huh. came out in 2020 called "The Last Thing He Wanted." Uh huh. Co-star Anne Hathaway. Okay. Anne Hathaway, as you may know. Yeah. Queen Mia Thermopolis in The Princess Diaries two. You know, who I comes didn't know to that. who comes to that slumber party in The Princess Diaries two. Raven Simone. <laughs> I can't believe we're here. I can't. 
And uh, she is, as we've already established, seen on Spesty. Oh, well done. Thank but you. Only your well best done. Thank you. Thank you. You made the cosmic circle I all the way around from it. Xenon to Armageddon. What a major back cosmic circle that was. Yeah, oh. I think you mean a cosmic circle major. I, I, uh, that was pretty supernova, if I say so. It was pretty supernova. supernova. So we have a, and Armageddon, of course, a movie that takes place in, in space. space. It's an easier yeah. connection. <laughs> just this is so many layers, everybody. I so went many eight layers. rounds, but you know, it's also just in space. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Okay, so back to the attempted murder from Margie. <laughs> I want to talk about Efren's fanny pack. <laughs> oh, well, we don't see his fanny pack yet. So we have her attempted murder. Margie and Xenon are paired in science class. She thinks it, it's Celsius because in space, I mean, thank mass. God they're using the metric system in space. Yeah, like, that's I, that's my takeaway. I do want to say, though, I don't know if you guys had swimming in PE at, no. in elementary school, middle school. Did you? No. Swimming was an activity that we had. It fucking sucks because you have to go swimming in the middle of the day and then like not shower because well, you smell like chlorine. You're a clean. little child. Like I think PE sucks in general. I mean, like yeah. I remember in high school we would have to dress out. You'd go and like play some sport. We were in the south, so it's hot outside. Nobody, nobody showered. Like, and that was the beginning of my day. Yeah, PE horrible. But I, I particularly hated swimming, which will come as no surprise to anyone that knows me. I don't love getting wet, like, yeah. and then having to be wet. And you would have to go back to class with your hair wet and all wet and sticky because it, again, it's not like you're showering after PE right. class and smelling like chlorine. Like, oh, it was the worst. Physical I, education is terrible. I tried to get my mom to write me so many notes to get out of it. Yeah, I skipped a lot of PE. I would forget my swimsuit a lot and they'd be like, well, you have to sit out and I'd be like, okay. When I was in high school, you were supposed to take PE as a freshman, but if you were in band, you didn't have enough room in your schedule and so you wouldn't but you just had to take it before you graduated. So I took it my senior year and then I would just not go because I was a senior and you could do anything you wanted seemingly. In my high school, you had to only take PE if you didn't play a sport at least one season throughout high school. Any sport, any season, one time. So I played junior varsity softball in ninth grade. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> one time. Fun fact about this high school that we're in, by the way. A little bit of trivia for, for back to Xenon. I know that we've looped Armageddon twice now. Gregory Smith, who played Greg. His name is Greg? Yeah, his name is Gre Gregory, Molly. Gregory. Gregory. Give him the professional credit he deserves. Sorry. Gregory Smith revealed that a lot of the Earth scenes that we have in Xenon Girl of the 21st Century were actually shot at his real-life high school. And uh, some of his real-life friends from the school actually got to be extras in the film. Pretty neat. I would, I would like to know where the high school is. I'm, I, I think I'm reading from Molly's it, body language. She's looking. Yeah, it looks like it was in British Columbia. Hmm. Well, mm. Canada. Well, Canada action. So anyway, we're back in the high school. There's a number of events that happen during the day, but it all culminates in her being in the computer lab, which are still a thing in 2049 on Earth, where she is attempting to hack into the Wyndham mainframe. And just from her school computer. From Naturally. Her yeah, it makes sense. And she's frustrated because she's not making a lot of progress with this. But this is when we get a real sort of like the foundation of the relationship between Greg and Xenon. As Greg, typing very quickly, is about to wrap up after Xenon's like, hey, help me with this hacking thing. He's like, I can't do that. I got to go work with some horses. I got to go do some equestrian stuff. Do you want to come with? And this is when we begin to see their courtship begin. I got to tell you, 
I rode and showed horses growing up. Now, I do understand that young Greg is riding Western, just like what cowboys do when you have the horn on your saddle. So it's a little bit different. But I got to tell you, the idea that a straight young man would ask you to go see a horse, very low odds. Very low odds. <laughs> when I, wow. Well, we are stereotyping, Molly. I'm No, I'm speaking from experience. I'm telling you, there was like two straight guys on the entire circuit, like the whole time I was showing horses. Let me tell you what, those two guys could get it. Oh, yeah. Clean it up. Clean it up. Cause it's, like, question, it's like straight boys in Disney Entertainment. Exactly. Like, they're... <laughs> You know, equestrian at a certain level, I should say, once you get into a higher level and certainly once you look at like Western, like the rodeo, there are more men. But like at a certain level, equestrian horseback riding, when I was doing it was predominantly female. And if you were a straight guy, you could be a four bag and a 10 because the standards were low. Hmm. Again, just like Disney Entertainment. Yeah, it's, the, the, you know, yeah. Yep. yeah. Just the numbers are in your favor, baby. It's the yep. good. <laughs> you know? So they invite Why did I leave? I, <laughs> I, I was like, oh my God. Why did I leave? Oh, I'm dead. So, <laughs> was it worth was it worth not being paid what I'm worth? I some days I'm not sure, you know? Buddy, buddy, you're doing so well now. You're doing good. You're doing so well. You're doing great. Just love, keep telling me that because, we, hey, hey, Max, because I, you. I'm not surrounded by women that are telling me that. I'll tell you. So. Hey, Max, I, hey, listen, listen to my words out of my mouth. I love you, buddy. Thank oh, you I so love much. you too. That's yeah. so nice. You're a dude. Um, <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> That's the same as the touch of a woman. <laughs> Please do not DM me. <laughs> Max is going to have all kinds of slide in his me Please now. don't DM me. <laughs> Cut to me immediately like <laughs> backspacing out of a DM. Um... <laughs> nice so on the 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 relationship between greg and xenon is flourishing they uh, meet a clearly sedated horse at the stable that horse was drugged (laughs) dude that horse was fake like i there is a scene okay the scene where she is petting the horse specifically the The one in the stable is fine brushing yeah yeah brushing the scene where she's brushing i i stared i watched it twice and was like does it move <laughs> does that horse move the entire time because it looks like a fucking statue like it looks like they got a big like or they took a photo and green screened in a horse and had her brush like just a body of fur you know like i swear to god that thing did not move the yeah. whole time that horse is clearly sedated because I'm sure the idea of it stepping on Kristen Storm's unpaddock regulated toes would be disastrous. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Disastrous. <sighs> so they go from the horseback riding session where they find themselves at the beach, so which made me question exactly where they are. I cannot figure out are. where this no city idea. is. No idea there. No clue. <laughs> no one knows. Uh, un- unknown. Heretofore unknown. It's not LA or New York. That's what we know. So BC, I guess, is yeah, the answer. Yeah, British Columbia. To where they're back out at a dinner date at the same restaurant where they had met previously the first time where Xenon orders all of the appetizers on the menu. This is my favorite part because I loved this move on her part where she was like, I'm going to get onion rings and mozzarella sticks and potato skins. And she's just like fully diving into earth culture. But it's really American culture. Like it's just... 
you know, she's only ever had these organic, naturally grown products up on the space station. And she's like trying fried food for the first time. And it seems enlightening. Oh, it is a sure. funny relationship between the two of them when he's like, I can't afford this. <laughs> like, I, I understand you want to try this food, but I brush horses for a living <laughs> that are as sedated. an after school job. I have $13 to my name. <laughs> I already bought your lunch today and that was most of the cash I have on me. I <laughs> don't know how I'm going to pay for your meal. Oh, yeah, it, I mean, good on them for trying though. Good on them for trying. It's okay. They dine and ditch. So it's they like, dine it's, and dash. Oh, they, 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 they ditch in a well, hurry. They, they ditch because Xenon has convinced me Mr. Lutz is spying on them. Well, he after is. Them. I mean, he is. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Matt didn't see it. So, you know, Greg. nobody believes Xenon. Um, I know you. I know you're just naming generic white guy names, but his name is Greg. It's Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I looked down and I read Matt on my notes because Matt has a savage line later. But Greg, Greg does not believe Xenon. And but eventually, like they they bail. And Xenon goes to follow and try to find his trail. They are unsuccessful and wind up at a beach for the first time where we get Greg delivering a great line. But they're back at the beach where they had ridden on horseback previously. So listen, they're saving on the budget for all the scenic locations where they travel to. And she is about to step into the water and she's like, wow, my legs are so pale. that It's like they're glow in the dark. And Greg looks and goes, they're fine. Oh, I I heard. Yeah, they are. Wow, Greg. The sexual tension tension was palpable in this film. Is this where she says, I've never seen an ocean before? And I was like, you dumb fuck, you look at the earth every day. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you mean you've never seen an ocean before? (laughs) It's outside your fucking window. Not just part of the ocean. You've seen every ocean. (laughs) Every 90 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> You've seen more ocean than anyone. <laughs> oh, it's true. Um, oh. Gregory does figure out. Gregory. 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 <laughs> First name Greg, last name Ori. Go does on. Does figure out that he was after the disc because yep. he's like, well, what could he want? And then he says, oh, were you wearing that earring last time you saw him? Because the last time they saw him, he kind of like glitched out when he looked at xenon and she couldn't figure out why but he's he's the one that's like oh you're wearing a fucking small cd on your ear so then they stick it in the computer and it's well we've got a break-in that happens then that is what spurs the conversation of like oh is that did you notice that and then we get to meet andrew the well andrew and greg the hackers and by the way there's no pre pre pre-established skill on either of their part that they are skilled with computers I like that most movies have a 13-year-old that is an elite hacker that is That's better true. than the FBI. Like, it's, correct. it's one of my favorite things yeah. in a DCOM. So, so yes, to your point, they install the disc and Andrew at, I believe it is, Margie's house. So now we have the entire group. Greg, Margie, Andrew, Xenon, Matt, all at Margie's house, which is inexplicable to me because Margie hates Xenon. So why? W- I mean, I know why Greg. It's because Greg asked. And they are now performing the hacking session on the disc. And the reason I wrote this down is because Matt delivers a savage, savage line to Margie. Because Margie is like, 
Greg, do you want to go on my dad's hover car? And Greg is like, no, I want to do this thing because there is this girl I like and this matters to me. He doesn't say it in so many words, but it's heavily implied. And Margie says, well, Greg, you always used to like to go on the car. And Matt looks at Margie and goes, Margie, it's because he liked the car, not you. And I was like, holy shit, Matt. Woof. Matt's speaking the truth. I mean, he is, but God, that is a, that's a gut punch for poor Margie. It's not. She does, it doesn't phase her at all. But that's the only reason I paid that much attention to that scene. So ultimately, we find that Andrew is successful at hacking this disc. And we meet a literal computer worm that hatches from an egg? And it winks kind of badly, just like the guy. Yeah, and it's an explosive device. The computer? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it literally blows the computer up. Like, <laughs> I don't... That's... The only way they can show a virus working is by actually blowing up a computer uh, to, to show that something bad happened. That's true. Well, it's also foreshadowing, right? So they put together two and two that this is like, this must have been what Mr. Lutz was doing in the space station when he was trying to hack into the main memory or get into the main memory room. So now the only people who know about this plot are Xenon and her Earth companions. Well, she tries to tell her parents who don't listen to her at all, which is very frustrating. She's like, mom and dad, like, I literally have this CD. This is all happening. And they're like, oh, Xenon, stop drinking so much soda. Like, And then they walk out the room. They're like, how did she know that everything is going wrong? How could she have possibly <laughs> known that the whole system is failing? It doesn't add up. That, why does she know all this stuff? You should it's listen like, to So not daughter. only do you actually have proof that she's not lying to you, you're just not taking this important information. <laughs> right. We just won't take it seriously. It's, it's absolutely bonkers. But, yeah. So then they go to Xenon's aunt's house and Mr. Lutz is there and he's like, give me that CD. <laughs> give me that. This scene is insanity. <laughs> give me that small boy disc. And give she's like, what are you going to give me? And he's like, I'll give you cash money. She says, I don't want cash money. I want to ride back to space. And he says, okay. And she just hands him the CD. No, they say, write it on a piece of paper. Write it on a piece of paper. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Greg they give him a right fucking it. journal. <laughs> he writes down, I'll give you, like, I owe you one space ride. Tears <laughs> it out of the journal, hands it to her, and then she gives him the disc and he goes, too bad, and takes the piece of paper back. But like, Greg is like, don't give it to him until you're on the space shuttle. And I'm like, yes, listen to Greg, unless... Xenon had a master plan, and oh, of course, turns out she, she did. did. Well, like, I just loved the fucking write piece it down. of paper. It's write it so down. as if I O U means anything. Like well, it's, it's certainly got to be more uh, legally binding than the brink contract oh, between man. the fifteen-year-old. Oh, the, yeah, the handshake oh, agreement. They're learning. They're learning at the Disney Channel original movie uh, production she, stations. She, she does have Andrew hack her little communicator thing so she can call Nebula and tells Nebula... Oh, not only that. This is the kicker. Not only does he hack the communicator, he hacks the disc. Oh, yeah. He hacks the disc that is the virus that is set to blow up a space station. And he's like, don't you worry, fam. I got you. I've got this hacked. It's now the undoer. 
Right, this this same disc. <laughs> That's right. It, it now un- viruses work. It now undoes it. Like enjoy, and and we're just okay, sure. And here's okay. So they have to get back to the space shuttle to install this disc. The undoer. I, I, the undoer. <laughs> it's 2049. Are you telling me there's no way to get that software? They, to the they space shuttle. Yeah, they don't than got a physical disc. There's no, there's no G drive, Molly. You can't yeah. upload the space disc onto the cloud. The cloud invented, you yeah. know? I just like, okay. Um, but she did have a secret plan. We mm-hmm. love that she had a secret plan for sure. Um, and it's that she took other discs and she painted them with her silver nail polish, which I don't understand why she had to paint them if they were small discs. They were already discs. Unless well, they no, were. they're like iridescent. She took like rainbow nail polish <laughs> and painted a silver disc iridescent okay. so that Which it would look like her earring. I, I'm so upset. It means that it wouldn't read in the disc reader. Right. So like when, when Mr. Lutz pops that into his computer, what happens is it shows a red egg opening and Xenon's head like a, like a, a what are those? Yeah, like pop, a jack, pop in the jack in the box. Like, out when with did the she have time on. to program that software? That's what I <laughs> she didn't. Andrew did. Andrew's doing everything. <laughs> Andrew. Uh, but, but he wasn't because she's the one who's like, look, I can do whatever I want with all these discs. Like she, she had to have done that. Okay. Okay. I'm guy. Is I'm, she I'm a coder too? Yeah, but she she's be. not Everyone because is. she couldn't Probably. hack in earlier. Right. It makes no sense. I, 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 so yikes! She learned off screen for sure. Off screen, off screen tutoring. That's so what the script says, yeah, That's the, true. the script did say it. So the plan is now. All right, we've got to get back to space. Step one: Let's call Neb with my hacked phone and see if we can get on a supply crate back up to space. This immediately goes sideways because, as previously established, the entire space station is about to go down. I mean, it's getting hairy up in space. Luckily, there is another ship going to space, one of Mr. Zoa's. We have learned, I want to point this out, we have learned finally that if the worm succeeds, the spaceship explodes. That's right. Like, uh, like, like they, the computer. they weren't saying that quite at first. And then finally, they're like, if it gets to a countdown, the ship explodes. Yeah, everyone dies. <laughs> like, which is, is, which like, is the first time where they say they change major and minor to mortis. And I was like, that's pretty dark. Like, you are, <laughs> yep. that's death, is I, what that is. Like, that, disaster that. mortis is a dark thing for you to say. I will say, though, no one seems appropriately concerned. <laughs> no. Margie literally looks at Xenon and is like, oh, so all your friends and family are going to die. Just delivers that and line. And Xenon's like, yeah. Oh, Margie has the audacity to go, I don't mean it like that. How else did you mean it? There's she only doesn't one want Zoa to die. I, I do want to say before we get to the ship of Mr. Zoa, which is very important, Xenon and Greg are talking and... Greg has given her the look, his one look. Like the one he gave in the rain. With the eyes. Yeah. And she goes, if you want to kiss me, just do it. And And I was like, yes. And then they, yeah. They they do headbutt. Then they slam teeth. But I did want to commend a strong queen. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We love a strong queen. Girl, get it. But yeah, they, yeah, they missed that one, the supply ship because of Margie. I'm going to blame Margie. It, she delayed their departure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also, I I forgot to mention this, that their car is just a new VW bug. It's a Tesla it's VW. It's an autopilot VW bug because I guess in 1999, that was the hot. I mean, I remember when the new VW bug Herbie came Freeman. out and it was 
everywhere. Do you guys like, play Punch Buggy? Of course. Of course. Yeah, for sure. And and do you remember all of the posters that were up of the bug as like a baseball or a soccer mm-hmm. ball mm-hmm. or like it was an icon of the oh, time. Yeah. And it is no like that. That's the space car is the new V-Dub bug. So they find themselves driving to self-driving to the Wyndham headquarters, Wincorp, because they know that Microbe is meeting there to be taken to space for the first ever space concert. They Mm -hmm. blast through the security gate, which is made of glass, and that feels incredibly irresponsible. Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what the hell? And they find their way into the corporate sort of launch party, if you will. (laughs) Self, self, little pat on my back there. Before they take off to space. I'm just going to say that if somebody were to drive through a security gate at any other location, there would have been a lot more, there would have been a greater security presence at any big event. For them, it was like two security guards named Kyle. And yeah, this movie is pre 9-11. You are correct. I stand corrected. (laughs) I stand corrected. I, yep. 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 (laughs) There was no security. My brain has altered. Yes. You you remember when you used to be able to walk to airport gates? I sure do. Without a ticket? Yeah. Yep. I literally. This movie is pre (laughs) 9-11. Yeah. My, my brain has been severely altered post that event. So, okay. Yeah. Then fine. We're good. Then Xenon picks up a, a tray of drinks which is a perfect disguise and makes her way directly to a celebrity, Mr. Zoa, and is like, hi, I'm the person who gave you this creepy Slenderman doll of yourself. And he is like not having it until he sees the conveniently tucked picture of Xenon in it. And it's like, hey, you know what? You're exactly the person I wanted to see. We're going to take you up into space with us because that's where we promised we'd dance on the stage with you, which is just a very condensed sort of interaction that they had. He also then bribes the security guards with a new job. He's like, you want to be in rock and roll? You want to keep working for this stuffy corporate guy or you want to be in rock and roll? And they're like, rock and roll, man. Let me loosen my tie because that's what it means to be in rock and roll. So, yeah. And then Aunt Judy comes because she's like, oh, I lost my niece that I was supposed to be watching. She follows. That's a crime. As Xenon's going up in the spaceship with Protozoa and Band, she ends up on a spaceship with Mr. Wyndham and Mr. Lutz. Oh, Judy, Judy lets a cat out of the bag. Cuz yeah, she like, almost ruins the whole thing. Yeah. Although I guess they would have died too. So, it's not that bad, you know. At least they would have gone down with the ship. Yep, yeah, that's the that's silver true. lining. Uh, but they get up there. Yeah, they all go up there and now mutually assured destruction. Everybody's on the spaceship. Uh, Xenon's trying to install the disc. Mr. Wyndham's trying to stop her. The spaceship has like 15 minutes left to live. Oh. And nobody seems panicked enough. Not at all. Literally, like there's, it is overtly calm. To the point where we get to the 30 second countdown. They, they have, so we have, we have diverted all the different resources. They've been locked away in the captain's quarters. Nebula helped them break out. Nebula helps mm-hmm. them break out. They finally make their way to the, the main memory room. And this is when we get the longest 30 seconds of my entire life. I counted yeah, the to choice of this times. scene is a wild. <laughs> ho, ho. Because now they've got the countdown has started. Wyndham's in there. Xenon bursts in the room and she's like, let me solve the problem. She has the disc. And then we have to watch her incorrectly type a password in six times. 
while just, having a full-on conversation. Just make the countdown be at 10. Like, why do we need her to incorrectly enter it six times? Why can't she just bust in at 10 seconds and put the disc in? Have we established the motive yet? I don't think we've actually established the motive. And it's important that we establish it right now because this is when Xenon circumvents the entire thing, is able to finally at the 10 second mark, presumably at the one second mark, with for dramatic effect, types in the right passcode. This entire thing was insurance fraud. 100%. Kids love insurance fraud. Yeah. If there's one thing you should center a kid's plot around, it's insurance fraud. Well, space. Well, this is fraud. the this is the second decom that has referenced <laughs> insurance fraud as the villain's motivation. It's I mean, true. under wraps was a life insurance fraud. Oh. And now you have insurance fraud again. We are. I mean, <laughs> apparently, what I'm learning is that. To kids, adults have one motivation, insurance which fraud. is insurance. Like, it's the most adults of all things. I mean, in the U.S., that is something that we look for at every job. So it does make I sense. I must say, I don't think I understood insurance then because I barely understand it now. So That's true. It's the industry I work in. You do folks, hear adults talk about it a lot, though. It's so an adult word to say. It does feel like if you're going to make a movie to kids and adults are going to care about something, insurance is a good thing for them to care about. Yep, yep. And fraud is, you know, another adult word that is bad. So put them together and you've got a villain. You're not wrong. So Xenon prevents the destruction of the space station. Everybody seems enthusiastic, but not to the level that I'd anticipate for a 13-year-old saving us from dying because we cut immediately to the previously scheduled rock concert. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Make my heart go boom, boom, boom. Supernova girl. And we end up having the concert where Xenon dedicates the first song to Greg, which is zoom, 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 which is a is a banger. Can I just say that's a banger? Also, I have a lot of problems with the song. It is a great song. It is a great beat. It has some great lyrics, but great lyrics in the in the sense that they rhyme. They are throwing out space words, cosmological astrological terms that they clearly have no concept of stargazing mega fast well, hit me like a cosmic blast you die um giving me a, a technicolor, technicolor world which is, i mean we love technicolor but so they but talk about the there's a line about time. oxygen with a solar flare <laughs> speed of light i'm so alive could you be my supernova girl <laughs> wow it's like i'm back at the concert Interplanetary megastellar hydrostatic. There's, there's no, no gravity, gravity between, between us. us. Our love is all that If there's no gravity between you, you'd float apart. She'd blow up. That's what a supernova is. You blow up. She's dead. Visions of your pretty face send me into hyperspace. If he's going into hyperspace. up in a planetary world. That's all. Oh my God! I'm gonna have. A, I'm having. Oh, I'm having You're hot having flashes. Breathing in you, give me air. I'm living off your solar flare. There's no air in a solar flare. It takes it away, girl. I can't. Oh my God! I'm having a problem. Interplanetary megacella hydrostatic. There's, there's no, no gravity, gravity between, between us. us. Your love is automatic. You are having a freakout major right now. That's right. So You're being have... alpha minor right now. Okay. Those are just words. You're just saying <laughs> space words. Most importantly, though, instead of dancing on stage with Protozoa, she lets Raven. And that's a good friend. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good friend. 
It's a, it's a really nice smoke. I'd let you both dance on stage instead of me. I Meanwhile, know. she is FaceTiming with Greg, blowing him kisses while he makes one face back at her. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the look. And Aunt Judy, Aunt Judy, who uh, before was, you know, talking about how she's not brave, how she doesn't put herself out there. She not only came to the spaceship, which scared her, but she's found love with Commander Plank. Yeah, at first In sight, a hopeless place. Yeah, truthfully. Truly. Space. <laughs> she, she was, she was, she. And then, uh. And then the movie wraps with the chanting of Xenon in the background. What a banger film. Uh, okay, we, uh. Zoom, zoom, zoom. My heart go, go boom, boom, boom. Did boom. you guys have the DCOM CD when you were kids? I did not. I did not. But I did have the Bewitch CD that I purchased. I swear to God, I bought it after Smart House came out. I I get it. I get why you would do that. Um, But there was a CD that came out after a couple more of these. And it was a like DCOM CD. And it had not only songs like this, like original songs from the movies, but it also had Bewitched and it had like Say whatever well, the song was from Say several well, of these movies. Let's rate this film, shall we? Molly, what do you rate this film out of 10? I think I'm gonna give it a nine. A nine? I yeah. really like this movie. I mean, it's a good movie. This is one of my favorites as a kid. It held up. I liked how sassy and driven and spunky Xenon was. I liked, I mean, that song slaps. That song deserves a point all on its own. And uh, yeah, I think the pacing was good. I was very entertained. I don't know. I don't know what's going to top it other than High School Musical. Yeah, this movie is real good. It's very interesting to see. You know, I think we talked about last or not last time, two episodes ago that Brink felt like the modern decom, right? Like that we had two and then Brink has sort of kicked off the like modern decom era. And then we had Halloween Town, a, a seasonal classic. And now we have Xenon. I agree that this is just a killer movie. I don't know that I'm going to go to a nine. I think I'll go to like an eight, five. Still strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very strong. Yeah, very show. strong. Literally, literally, I was thinking as my other song was like, I think I'm going to give this an eight, five. Uh, and the reason is like, so this was the first time I've ever viewed Xenon. It is very entertaining. I think of the films we've seen thus far, obviously blows all of those out of the water. It's just a very good decom that we've yeah. seen. So, so I, I really enjoyed it. With that, best I, all around of of the ones we've seen, no question. Oh, hands Agreed. down. I'm only going to read one review from IMDb. There are the majority of these. It should be no surprise to any of us are ten out of ten. Uh, mm-hmm. There is there's a couple that are it doesn't go lower than a four, which has been consistent. I mean, pretty. pretty Those are nostalgia ratings. I'm, yeah, I mean for sure, for sure. So this one, to your point, is a nostalgia rating. The the rating title is I liked Xenon's hair. Cool. Same. same. I, yeah. Same. I cut my hair like Xenon's pathetic? Yes, maybe. But I admired the <laughs> dangling bangs that coincided with space station popularity. The movie had likable characters and a clever usage of what-if, future-esque possibilities. Enjoyed the common coming-of-age on a different planet concept. Very cute. Great hair. There are probably worse characters to model your hair after. I mean, we had True. an entire generation that was the Rachel. I mean, I can imagine that we also had the Xenon for kids ages like 12 to... 10 to, 10 to 14. I think that this movie did have that effect. Like, I, obviously I not the mainstream impact of, of Friends, but I think for kids that were this age, this movie is truly iconic. And it is, I mean, Zeus Lapidus is, again, not just the namesake of our show, but I think anyone our age 
yeah, the, the chances are, you know what that is from. And, um, and that a lot of people know protozoa. I know Alan, it gets confusing for you <laughs> where individuals stop and where bands start. But I think many people do know, um, this movie, this song, it's, it's an absolute icon. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I can see why now I haven't viewed it fully. Uh, it's just a good, good, good movie. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Can of Worms. Speaking of movies I've not seen. I've I, not seen it either. I've not, never okay. seen Can of Worms. So this is a first time viewing for all of us. I think this is the, the, the only time since Under Wraps it has been a first time viewing for all of us. So. No. Oh, wait, no, we, we saw Under Wraps, didn't we? Max but had in, seen Under Wraps. I had seen Under Wraps. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think this is the first time it's a first time viewing for everyone. Wow. Okay. Okay. So Can of Worms. I'm very curious. I mean, no idea what I'm walking into. Although I've seen the cover art and it looks alien related. Yeah, it looks okay. like we're going space again. All right. Yeah. Well, we're at, we have a theme. Okay, so next up is Can of Worms. Thank you so much for joining us on this supernova journey. Uh, go ahead, rate, review, if you wouldn't mind. Follow us on social media. Follow us on YouTube. Join our Discord. And until next time, friends, it's been Luminarius. Luminarius? Supernova Major. It's zoom, zoom, Luminarius. Make my heart go boom, 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 boom. boom. Thanks, y'all. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I don't know why I wave. I, I actually waved. I do, too.